I know I was preaching until last week, so tell you what, it's been a great week for me getting to get prepared for this. But before we do anything, I just want to let you know, uh, the title of the sermon this morning is Christ Took the Blame, and there is something funny that I have to share with you, and when I was reading the scripture, which comes from Luke, something funny came to my life and came to my mind. I started to think about how when I was a young child, let me ask you a question, have you ever had to take the blame? For somebody else's mistakes. Have you ever had to take the blame for somebody's actions and it wasn't yours? Well, I remember that when I was younger and maybe, you know, anywhere from six, seven, eight years old, if my brother screamed, if my brother hollered, if my brother yelled, it was somehow an incident of Alan James's fault. Now, it would come time for interrogation and either mama or nanny would sit us down and they'd look at us and sometimes I'd have a chance to sit down. I was in the midst of trying to run away from getting smacked. But Nick could look at me he could smile at me. He could do anything he wanted to just to get the attention off himself and put it on me. And it would somehow end up being my fault. It didn't matter if I did it or not. It was my fault. But, you know, this morning, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever had to take the blame for somebody? Have you, as a person, have you ever had to go ahead and take the punishment for somebody else's wrongdoing? Well, this morning, we're talking about Jesus. And as you can see already, Christ took the blame. Sometimes taking the blame is the only way, is the only way, and is the only option. You know, there are so many ways and issues that sometimes that somebody has to be the one to receive the punishment. Something happens or something takes place, there's no other way. Somebody has to take the blame. Sometimes there just has to be someone there to own up to the problem. And sometimes someone has to take the blame and the punishment. Friends, Christ saw taking our punishment. Christ saw taking our blame as the only option. And this morning, I want you to realize that Jesus definitely realized that one, we are filthy, we are sinful, we are unperfect, and everything about us separates us from a perfect and awesome God. The very God we just sang about in Our God Reigns. But Jesus loved us too much to leave us there in that state. He considered us way too valuable and way too precious to leave us alone in our own trespasses. And he would not leave us lost in our own trespasses and in our own sins. So this morning I pray that from God's word that you're going to see that. And that through the taking time to read through uh, one of the events that took place in almost the end of Christ's life, I pray that we get to see it this morning that he would not leave us lost in our own sin. Let us pray. Father God, this morning we pray that you meet here with us. Father, we pray that you would take your word this morning and share with us. And I pray that one of many things will happen, but most of all, that somebody makes a decision for you this morning. If it's through salvation or if it's through recommitment, Father, or if it's on taking of a ministry, God, or if it's just putting a burden and a passion on our hearts to have to go out and share your love and tell people about you. Lord, we pray that your will be done this morning. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. If you would, take your Bibles and turn over to Luke, Luke chapter 23, verses 39 through 30, uh, 45, excuse me, and let us read. And one of the malefactors that were hanged railed on him, saying, if thou be Christ, save yourself. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? 
And we indeed, justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. He says, and he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the middle. Guys, this morning, the first thing that I would definitely have to share with you about Christ and his love is that in verse 39, and as it says in one of the male factors, one of the criminals that hung beside Jesus while he was dying on a cross, it says that he railed on him. And it says that railed means that he made fun of him. He joked on him. And as he was hanging there, he looked at Jesus saying, if you be Christ, why don't you save yourself and us? Let me tell you first this morning that as Jesus died upon the cross, he was focused. Christ was focused. Christ's love was focused. Have you ever heard the verse of the song when he was on the cross? I was on his mind. Have you ever heard that song? Well, I want you to know that it rings true this morning because we see here in God's word that is God's word explains to us that for the fact that Christ was definitely focused. He had to be. He was stretched out. He was battered beyond recognition. Nothing about him was noticeable. It says that Isaiah told us before he even died, it says that he will be beat so far that you won't even recognize his face. Jesus was to that point. But here's something important that we must notice. That at any time desired, at all, according to Psalms, as David praised his God, he realized how powerful he was. At any time desired, Christ could have gave up. He could have given up. And angels would have come down and brought him up at any moment he desired. He didn't have to stay there. But Christ, his love was focused. And Jesus was able to look out as he was dying on the cross and as he was hanging. He was able to look out and he saw many things. You know, when I wasn't there, but I'm pretty sure that according to all the, the scripture that goes around these verses, Jesus was able to look out and he was able to see people pointing and laughing at him. Jesus Christ was able to look out as he was dying for mankind and himself. He could look out and he saw people gambling for his clothes. Christ looked out and he saw people pointing, making jokes, and spitting upon him. He was able to look out and he was able to see that. He was probably able to see little children, maybe even some of the little children, but they were following example of their parents, the same ones that he had possibly even held on his knee, could have been there watching this event. And I would even go far that you could see old men and old women of Jewish custom looking at this person hanging on a cross that called himself the Son of God, shaking their head in disgust. But guys, let me tell you another thing. That day that while Jesus was hanging on a cross, determination was also on his mind. You see, Christ... He had focus, and he was focusing on the task at hand. Jesus was able to block out every negative thought, everything that Satan was trying to throw at him, even to the point that Jesus looked up and he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was able to block all of that out. And he was able to focus on the task at hand. Friends, everything that was going on that day while Jesus was dying, all the events, all the people, Everything that took place, 
there was one focus on his mind. Not just the people that he was dying for there, but did you know that we were on his mind? You and I were on his mind. And way far past that, not just the people who call themselves Christians now, but Jesus also had the people on mind that, yes, here in our community. Christ had on his mind at that time the people that would someday come to know him because his followers and the believers in him went out and spoke about him. Christ's love was focused. And then by focusing on that, to do what he was called to do by his father, every past action in his life that he had done, from all the miracles, from all the healings, from everything that he had ever done from his ministry beginning three and a half years ago before that, of his time dying on a cross, it came to one conclusion. One conclusion, and that conclusion being that love was his sacrifice, but we were his focus. We were his focus. Guys, read in verse 40 with me. It says, But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, seeing that you are in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing amiss. And verse 42 says, And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when I come into your kingdom. As Christ focused on his Father's will, there was something about to happen. And there was something about to take place that when we're reading God's uh, story of his son dying, when we're reading in the scriptures about Christ um, having to take place on this cross, or we're telling the story, or even thinking about the life of Christ in general, we have to realize about something about Christ, is that Christ's reputation, even at death, was famous. Now, how do I know that? Well, guys, as the surrounding noises could have filled his head, Jesus was able to stay tuned in on his goal. But Christ did hear one's man. He did hear one man's plea. He did hear one man's question. He did hear one man's heart. The sinner, as the word describes to us, he realized that as this man looked over from Jesus and he was making fun of him and saying, if you are Christ, why don't you save yourself and us? Why don't you do something about this if you be the God you say you are? But this other guy on the other side, he looks at the other man. He says, you know, what are you saying? Do you not fear God? Do you not understand that, yes, what we're getting right here, right now, we deserve? Seeing that we've been tried by law and we've been found guilty in our actions and by the court of the law here that we have been sentenced to die. But this man that's hanging beside us, he's done nothing. And at that moment, Jesus' story became real. Now, I want to explain something to you that, you know, Jesus had done many miracles, and we just talked about it. He had done many different signs and wonders that could only come from the kingdom of heaven. But here this day, the sinner realized that he was beside a sinless Savior. And this malefactor looked to the accusing thief and asked him, Do you not fear God? Seeing you are in the same very situation. And we deserve this. We deserve to die. But he is receiving this same punishment, but he's innocent. 
And the man that was condemned for his crimes realized that Jesus, the man hanging beside him, not only was he innocent, but he was there hanging for him. The man was able to look out and see that the person dying beside him wasn't just dying, but he was dying with a purpose. Now, how does this tie in with Jesus being famous? And I want you to pay close attention to what I'm about to read, and we're going to read it again in verse 41. And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. Verse 42 says, And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus was a famous guy. Jesus' name was well known. The life and the reputation of Jesus, there was something about him that he was known by everyone. A convicted criminal right before his death realized that, you know what, this is the end. I'm about to die. I've spent my whole life gaining for myself. I've killed a few people. I've stole a few things. And it was always about me. And this sinner realized that, you know, here I am. All of my life and all of my things that I've ever done is about to add up to one solution. I'm being put to death. And this man, he realized something. That while everything that he'd done in his life had been for himself, everything that he had ever said, everything that he'd ever thought, everything that he ever took, he realized that he deserved it. But here was a man hanging beside him that his name was Jesus Christ, and he knew because he'd heard stories, He'd saw all the things that have happened because of Christ. And quite possibly, Jesus may have been walking down some of the same streets that he had stole something off of. Jesus might have ministered on some of the same people that this man had murdered. And that causes me to ask a question. And it causes me to think that here for this man, about to die on a cross, being hung before all of his peers, all of the people in his community, about to die. What was it about Jesus that made him ask, will you remember me? There's only one thing that I can think and that I know is because that the children Bible stories that had so many times that he'd heard about how Jesus done this and Jesus done that, the same thing that we teach our younger children and the coloring pages the biggest thing is that they were made real in this man's life. Amen. And this is when Christ's life finally tied in with somebody else's reality. Because here that day, Jesus wasn't healing anybody. He wasn't doing anything very spectacular to the eye, it would seem. He was dying. But that day, a man realized that he wasn't just dying. But he could say to himself, he's dying for me. And Jesus' name then was famous. And it could be seen that Jesus had a reason for dying. And it wasn't just bad luck. It wasn't just fate. But Christ was choosing to die. He was choosing to give of himself. And the man realizes that right here and right now, that he's about to meet his maker. He's about to come to his end. And something so famous about Christ 
is that this man is able to forget everything about himself. And when he's at the lowest point of his life, and he's desperate, and he realizes that everything in his life comes to this conclusion. The love of Christ is made real in the life of a desperate man. In verse 43, it says this, And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, Today, today, you will be with me in paradise. The man looks at him and says, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He acknowledges him as Lord. He acknowledges him as the Son of God. And the only thing that he knows to do is to cry out. And Jesus turns to him. Jesus is a famous man, I mind you. A lot of people know about him. A lot of people have been touched by his hand. A lot of people have experienced the love of him. But this man, his whole life, and even the three years of Jesus' ministry, he didn't care. But he came to a point where he realized that there was no other way. He came to a point where he realized <laughs> Jesus is the only answer. And Christ looks at him and he says, today you will be with me. So Christ's task at this point was finished. His task was finished. As the sentenced man was in need of redemption, he was in need of forgiveness, he needed something more. But that man that was hanging on the cross beside him, he was also the very person, the very kind of person that Jesus came and lived his life for. Amen. So you have all of these Pharisees, you have all of these people that you could look out and say they were of the religious class or they were in the majority. You can look at the doctors and the tax collectors, all of the people that we would consider as royalty, all of the ones that we, you and I would probably see as having everything right. They were the ones that were taking Jesus and nailing him on a cross. And the ones that you and I still today would probably just look over because they didn't really have the right clothes to wear. They didn't really look right. They really didn't act right. Sometimes they smelled bad. And sometimes you would look out and you'd see those people and you just wouldn't want to hang out with somebody like that. But let me remind you that the first person to realize that they needed something was the same person that was convicted convicts hanging on a cross. Right. So Christ's task was finished. He had accomplished what he had come to do. Christ came to save. Amen. And that's what all this is about. He looks at this man and he says, you know what? I see you in your sin. I see that you deserve what you're getting. I see everything about you. I know your heart because I'm the son of God. But he doesn't spend his last few breaths here on earth talking about a man and showing him where he's wrong. One of the last words that Jesus said with his dying breath, and I want to remind you, and we're not going to get into this because it takes forever, but I want you to think that in the Roman crucifixion when you were hanging on a cross and your hands were nailed to a beam, a lot of times, your last moment of breath is if you had enough strength to pull yourself up on those nails. You see, because our diaphragm, 
If you've ever done crunches or you've ever been over for an extended time of period, you realize that when you're crunched up and everything's tight in your abdomen, it's hard to breathe. And let me tell you something, I don't know if you ever figured it out, but if you're like me, you talk a lot and you find out that when you talk a lot and a lot and a lot and you don't take in breaths, it gets to you. And I'm not trying to be funny, but listen, Christ realized he only had a few things left to say before his physical body was given up. Jesus realized that in the very last few minutes of his own life, he only had a few more things he could say. And Jesus didn't take the time to share with this man where he was wrong. Jesus did not take the time to show him where he could have been better. Jesus took the time to tell this man that the reason I'm dying is for you. And today, you'll be with me. Christ's task was finished. His job was complete. And in verse 43, let us read. And it says, And Jesus said unto him, Today you surely will be with me in paradise. And it says in 44, And it was about the sixth hour, being noon. It was, it was afternoon, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. So from 12 o'clock noon to 3 o'clock in the afternoon, it says the whole world was covered in darkness. And let's talk about that for a second. And I want to say something, and we're not going to get deep, deep, deep into it, but I want you to just take it as it is. At that very moment, the world experienced darkness for the last time. Now, why do I say that? Because up to this point, there was a lot of religion. Up to this point, there were a lot of uh, different ways that you could get closer to God. Through sacrifice, through being a better Jewish person, through spending more time in prayer, through giving more money to the church, you were seen as getting better and better and better, getting closer to God. But when Jesus came and He died, He showed everybody. And there was no room for error. When Jesus died that day, John 14, 6 became a reality when He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I'm life. That's right. And he showed them, he didn't just tell them, but he showed them that no man comes into my Father except through me. Mm-hmm. When Jesus said those words, I'm pretty sure that day when he was talking to his disciples, he was also thinking about possibly one day, very soon, he was going to be hanging on a cross. And when Jesus was talking about, you know, different stories about the 99 sheep and how about one was just lost, and the owner would leave everything that he had to go find that one sheep. Amen. Or a lady that she had ten silver pieces and she lost just one. She'd set all nine other pieces on, on her uh, bedside table and she would tear the house apart looking for just that one piece. Or when Jesus told the story to his disciples of a man who had two sons and one son stayed home but the other son took his inheritance And he went and lived a vigorous life. He lived everything to the max of where he was sinful. He was dirty. He brought shame upon the family name. But when that man came back to his father, it says that his father looked out afar and he saw his son coming home. And he ran to him with arms wide open. And when all these stories that Jesus talked about, and one peculiar, when he looks at his disciples and he explains to them, I'm going to send you out. I'm going to put you on a mission. And he says, I don't want you to worry about what you're going to wear. I don't want you to worry about what you're going to eat. He says, because my father promises that everything you need, he's going to supply. 
And when he talked about how all of the grass of the field, how it's just flourished with flowers, how God takes care of the field or, or the birds in the air, how Jesus takes care of them, how his Father in heaven took care of them, when he looks down and he looked at his disciples and all the people that heard him, he says, how much more precious are you to my Father than birds or flowers? I want you to picture this right now. When Jesus was teaching his disciples about all those things, I want you to think about what flashed across his mind. He realized that at this very moment, when he was teaching those things, all those things that he said, it was coming to one thing. The world had experienced darkness for one last time. And so three hours, it says, from 12 o'clock noon to 3 o'clock in the afternoon, it was complete darkness. But at the end of this story, and if you will with me, the lights came back on. Amen. This is what happened. And the sun was darkened, and as the veil of the temple was rent, was torn in the middle. This is the last thing we're talking about. But I don't know if you're very familiar with the temple and how it was designed, but you may be familiar with the term holy of holies. And the veil we're talking about is the very veil that separated God's holy of holies from mankind. Now you may remember this, you may have read this, you may have already had a Bible class, and I think some of our older ladies have, or even through uh, Brother Bill's classes, but you learn about the temple and about how many times that they would have to tie a harness and a rope upon the priest that walked in and put bells on his hips. Because if you walked in that room and you were not ready to face God in perfection and the cleanness that you could be, then you could die immediately. And I believe we even talked about King Uzziah, a young king who went into that room and thought that he was big enough and proud enough to approach a holy God. And the, the word of God says that immediately his body was covered in sores. And he died. Guys, talking about this veil, it was the divider between God and, to be frank, us. Right. It was the division that separated us from God. The division that kept us from having an intimate relationship it was the division that kept us from having a personal relationship. It was the division that was caused in the very day that Adam decided, you know what, I know what's wrong, I know my, my God told me not to, but the day that Adam reached out and he sinned by taking of the fruit, that division that had been there ever since that took place. And then you read from Genesis all the way up to the Gospels, all of these things that had taken place, and man had just gotten a little bit farther and a little bit farther and a little bit farther each and every day had gotten farther away from God. To the very point that where God looks down and he says, there's only one way to finish this. There's only one way to end this problem. Christ came to be the light in that darkness. And so when the darkness went away, and the other Gospels talk about it, there were earthquakes. Shaking of the ground. The holy city there in Jerusalem was torn the ground was torn when bodies rose up from the graves. People being resurrected. Verse 45, And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in the middle. 
God destroyed. He ripped in half the division that at one time separated us from God Himself. And that which was impossible before, having that relationship, which was all one time impossible, it now becomes a possibility for us to have a personal relationship. A hand-to-hand talk and walk time with God. And it's now possible for us to be able to see that God does love us. And He proved that. So in conclusion this morning, I want you to think about a couple things. And I want you to take a couple things home. Because I'm going to encourage you right now, I'm going to tell you that we have some opportunities coming up, if you will. We have some things coming up in the next few weeks and possibly the next two months that I'm talking about our Easter service and the Grow Outreach and the program we're going to do to bring people in. As I see it, that this story today about Jesus and what he did, it affects us. And if you're a Christian this morning and you've accepted Christ in your heart and your life and you know where you're going to spend eternity, then this affects you. But the biggest affection that it has is that if you realize that we are surrounded by a community, that yes, they do see the cars on Sunday mornings parked at Bethel. They do know that we possibly know that we have a one of services on Wednesday nights. They see our, our church sign out there and they see the scriptures we put on there. Has a service times and everything. You know, and some people may be touched because they're your neighbor and they know where you go to church and that you have faith in God. But for some people, there's an opportunity coming up for you and I to do something. In conclusion, Christ's love, it was focused then. It was focused. But I want to tell you that his love is still focused. I want to tell you that Christ, he still has a goal to put his mindset on. Now before Jesus left earth, he looked out to his disciples and he says, I charge you. He says, I tell you, I want you to go out and I want you to preach and teach and baptize and make disciples. In Judea and Jerusalem, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, to the ends of the earth, I want you to go. Do you know that Jesus is still focused? With the same kind of focus that while he was dying on a cross for you and me, he's still focused with that kind of love of bringing others to him. Do you know why? Because Christ's reputation then, he was famous. People knew him. But did you know that he desires for more people to know him? Amen. Did you know that God tells in his word that he's building a huge kingdom? He said, I go to prepare a mansion for you. And if it were not so, I would have told you. And he says, I promise you, though, that if I go now, I will return. Now, church is something that we don't talk about in the Baptist uh, issue a lot because it's not something we address much. But Jesus is going to come back. Amen. There is a second coming. I don't know if it's going to be while I'm here or while you're here. And it may be after we're already gone and gone into glory. But Christ is coming back. That's right. There will be a second coming. 
And when he comes, he's taking his children home. We don't address it a lot, but Christ's reputation is still famous. But he wants his name to be more well known. He didn't just come and die for a few of us. He didn't just come and spend a life here on earth to end in death for just the people here at Bethel. But he came and he died for everybody. Listen to me, this is important. He came and died for everybody. And just that number. I don't know how many it is. If it's one, then we've reached a goal. But Jesus came to die for the number of people that would be impacted by Bethel. And Christ, he lived his life, he did all those miracles, all those happenings and occurrences. Christ finished his work then. And now Christ's task is finished. So as we close today, and Brother Bill's going to come up here and he's going to be in the front of the altar for you for invitation or anything that you want to do, but I have a question. I have a question. If Christ's love was focused, and if you believe that when we're saved, when we become Christians, Christ's love comes into us and He dwells within us. But if Christ's love was focused, why isn't our love focused? And guys, if Jesus, right then and right there, was famous, what makes you think that he doesn't want his name to become more famous? And guys, if we live our lives for the rest of our days, and it comes to the end, and we see that through our lives and through our testimonies, and you're before you're a God, and you're before everything about you, and your Savior looks at you, and He says, enter in my good and faithful servant. And that was only possible because Christ's work was finished here on earth. So you and I could be saved. What makes you think? Just for a moment that we shouldn't try and hold up the ending, finishing deal of our, our lives. Now what is that? We're supposed to go out. We're supposed to teach and preach. And hopefully through people coming to Christ, we get to baptize. We get to minister to a community. Where's our focus? Are we making Christ more famous? And Christ finished his job. Are we finishing ours? Let us pray. Father God, this morning, you are great and you are mighty. You're the very God that we sing about as in our God reigns. But Lord, I pray that you have spoke to our hearts this morning. That Father, you came and you died for us. And you looked out at a man that maybe he wasn't perfect. And in no way was he. But Father, when he asked you in his voice, remember me. 
You said not maybe tomorrow, not maybe sometime soon, but you said today you'll be with me in paradise. And God, as you were focused and as your name was already famous and as you finished your work and you destroyed the division that was between us and you, Father, I pray that this morning you would touch our hearts and you would touch our lives and you would help us to see that there's still so much more that has to happen in this community. Not because we're just trying to do good works or be better people, but we cannot help but to go out and impact others' lives because you've been just that good in ours. So be real with us here today, Father. Touch our hearts. Come in into this, this place right now. Meet with us and may decisions be made for you. In Jesus' name, amen.
church home, the Bethel Baptist Church is here for you. We have Awana, we have uh, uh, on Sunday night, we have cross training for the children. We have so many programs for, for children and, and everyone of every age. So uh, uh, you're, you're welcome to come back here and be a part of Bethel Baptist Church and, and uh, there's a place for you here at Bethel. Be reminded about, uh, or I want to remind you about, be praying about what, uh, uh, what your role is in the Grow uh, outreach ministry and uh, if you have a song to sing on the 27th we're going to have a song service here on Sunday night the 27th two weeks from tonight and so if you have a song to sing uh, there's a sign up sheet out in the hallway so just uh, just put your name down get your song ready okay it don't have to be a song if you have a, a, a instrument to play a, a, you know whatever it may be uh, some kind of talent you want to uh, share with us please please do that and, sh and share it with the Lord's main thing, all right? Is there anything else before we go? All right, have a great day today. and Come on back tonight for the rest of your blessing. And uh, enjoy today. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. We'll be dismissed.